0: Episode 23 of the FOTIME Podcast. This time, the announcement, Pac-Tenna has arrived. All the exciting stuff coming up. Stay tuned.
1: AmateurRadio15.com presents FOTIME, the other ham radio podcast. Sponsored by Main Trading Company. Find them online at mtcradio.com. Now, here's your host, Kale Nelson, K4CBN.
0: So yeah, this is episode number 23. Hey, I'm Kale, your host, Kilo 4, Charlie, Delta, November, upstate South Carolinian here, and bringing to you, hopefully, your favorite amateur radio podcast. Now, we call it the Other Ham Radio Podcast because we know there are a lot of great ones out there. And we appreciate you making this a part of your listening experience regarding the hobby. The amateur radio podcast you're listening to now, FOTIME, the other ham radio podcast. We're catering to the new guys or the guys who are looking for the continuing innovation in the hobby. Now, that doesn't mean if you've been licensed for 37 years that you won't enjoy the program, but if you're one of those guys who may be interested in getting into the hobby or your brand new licensee, we may have something for you, so I want to encourage you to stick around for sure. All right, so speaking of sticking around, I'm not going to be able to make it to Dayton this year, but some friends of mine will be there. KF7IJZ, Jeremy will be there with his camera. And a microphone and some FOTIM cards, along with our friends Nick and George, who we'll talk to here in a couple of minutes, and uh, some, some other operators that we've had on here as well. So uh, we, we hope to have some more information concerning the uh, the FOTIM representation there at Dayton, but just be aware, I can't make it, I'm sorry, but our friends from Maine Trading Company will be. Richard let me know last week that they're going to make the 900-mile trek up with the truck and the trailer. And they're bringing a load of stuff that they don't want to take back to Texas. So make sure you check them out. I believe, I believe that their uh, official spot in the hall is North Hall 208. I think that's their official booth spot. Have more details on that as Dayton gets closer. But uh, if you can make the Dayton show, do your best to be there. It just didn't work out for me this year, and who knows what the future holds, right? All right. So speaking of the future, a while back we started talking about a product that we were really excited about coming to market. Uh, that we were kind of privy to the information of and could not wait to get to share it to you. And that's what this next program here is going to be about. Our friends Nick and George. George has been on a couple of times. We've had Nick on with the Picknology before. So make sure you sit tight, pay attention. They're bringing something to the market that I think you portable operations people will go nuts over. And I think it's going to be something that even makes me want to get out and do some portable operations I just have to find a radio to use with that. Anyway, let's get on into the conversation. Let's bring Nick and George into the show. You know, some people may be wondering, okay, so why is George and Nick on the air together? But uh, you guys live in the same town, you're buddies, and you do a lot of cool things together regarding amateur radio, one of which is what we're here to talk about today. And uh, why don't you just go ahead and tell us about what's coming down the pipeline from you guys?
2: Uh, sure, this is George. Uh, let me give you just a, sort of a quick overview. So, uh, as you said, Kale, we're in the same uh, radio club. We've worked on a lot of uh, design projects and radio projects together. And one of the things that we also both like to do is operate HF outdoors, uh, hiking, or field day, or soda. And we were comparing notes about portable antennas, and we came up with an idea for a portable antenna design, and we have to give it a name. So we said, well, the idea is to have an antenna that's small enough that you could pack it on the trail, and that became the idea behind Packtenna.
0: Is there a URL for this idea?
2: Uh, there is there is going to be. Uh, right now there's nothing much there, but uh, it is Packtenna.com, P-A-C-K-T-E-N-N-A.com.
0: Fantastic, and, and and guys, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. We we know Nick's background in his Pygnology group, uh, but George George has been on the show quite a few times, and we we haven't really talked a whole lot about what George does regarding playing in the hobby. George's got a uh, a business as well, and it's uh, Sierra Radio Systems, where he, you can find the Hamstack products and whatnot there, and of course Nick does the pycnology. Uh Tell me a little bit about uh, how you guys came up with the idea and really what we're looking at here what is this is this some kind of like a buddy stick deal or what are we what are you guys packing with your tennis
2: well sort of so the way it started out is like i said what would be a good portable antenna when i say portable i don't mean you could break it down and carry it in a um in a case 50 feet and then be exhausted What I, what i mean is you could put it in your backpack and go on the trail with it it's It's light enough and small enough that you could easily do that, which also means it's small enough to throw into a suitcase for travel or uh, take to field day or take to the park, and everything is pretty self-contained. And the trick is, how do you make an antenna that's really small, light, and portable, but gives you really good performance? Because we operate mostly low-power QRP radios, and... Most of the portable antennas that are out there are shortened antennas. They're either a telescoping vertical with a loading coil or something like a buddy pole, which could be a dipole configuration with a loading coil. Um, Personally, I've got a buddy pole. I think think those guys did a fabulous job designing it. I think it's a really well-made product. So for going to a parking lot and setting up, it's fine. For taking it on the trail, though, it's just too big and heavy for me. Uh, So I'm thinking of something you could put in a day pack and and go hike for two miles and then set up. Uh, And I'm not going to take a buddy pole to do that. If if I took a small buddy pole like the little whip version, then if I'm operating 40 meters, I've got an antenna that's like seven feet long, if I'm lucky, on 40 meters. It's a very compromised size, very inefficient. And while it'll tune up, it's not going to work terribly well. So I'd rather have a full-size antenna running QRP but something small enough to pack with me.
0: So how do you do that?
2: Well, that is the magic, right? How do you do that? So the the trick is, first of all, to not use a rigid metal components to use wire for the antenna elements. So the the first decision was go with wire because wire is obviously small, lightweight, very easy to carry around. And you can make a full-size antenna. You can make a full-size 40-meter inverted V or... Uh, ground-mounted vertical antenna or whatever out of wire. The the tricky part is not that. The tricky part is what's the lightweight mechanical stuff you could use that lets you set it up. So th- really the, the hunt for parts was the mechanical side of things. How could I get it up in the air and how could I quickly assemble it? the The other goal for the antenna was something that you could set up in less than five minutes and take down in less than five minutes. So it's something that's really simple. And when I think about the buddy pole, for instance, putting up a buddy pole on 20 or 40 meters on the big tripod and everything, you have to find the right tap point on the coil, tune it a little bit. Um, it's not a big deal. It takes a little bit of time. There's more to put together. I wanted to get on the air faster than that and with a, with a more full-size antenna. Okay, so, so that was the original idea.
0: We're a little more, a little more high speed, low drag. To yeah. coin, coin the term from some of my friends. Cool. Okay, so uh, what happened? Did you guys just go to a park and take some fourteen gauge wire and a pair of cutters and get to work,
2: <laughs> or what? Well, kind of. The, the The first version of the antenna was really inspired by something Nick did. So maybe you should describe your quarter wave. All right, Nick, hit us with it.
3: All right, so. Um... Many years ago, it was probably about six years ago, there was a group of friends and I, we'd get together and go to the park and set up antennas because I can't operate at home. And um, I had one of those jack height telescoping poles, and I, I thought to myself, you know, ground plane antennas work great on VHF and UHF. Why don't we scale it up and see what happens? So I made a uh, what I've been calling a BFGP, which is a big ground plane. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so it's uh, it's basically a quarter-wave ground plane. Uh, cut for whatever band you happen to want to work. So I uh, I started carrying around this telescoping pole and wire to make the big ground plane on 20. And uh, it worked great for me um, out here near the salt water. And um, and George and I got together and uh, I gave a talk at Pacificon about portable operating. And I talked about the the big ground plane. And George has been talking about doing some sort of portable antenna system for a while. So we Sort of combined the two and came up with something that's reconfigurable for your environment and what kind of antenna you want, and uh, there you go.
0: So it's it's not a single band deal. I mean, you get a pack antenna. It's not a pack antenna for eighty. Not a pack antenna. Well, that's a,
2: that's a great question. So the the design has to be able to be configured for any band. But when you talk about a multi band antenna, then you start to Things get more complicated because if you're going to do multiple bands with a single antenna, then you need some sort of traps or loading coils or something. Um, what makes it even more complicated is if you say, well, I want – what bands do you want? 10, 12, 15, 18, 20, 30, 40, 80 meters. Well, there's several bands. So you have to decide which bands you want and how you want to, to – figure out how you want to design it. So our thinking was to keep the, the goal of the most efficient – possible antenna, we decided to do it with no loading coils and no traps, which meant full size half wave dipole or ground plane as the basic configuration. Now, I, I would quickly add that one of the ideas behind all this, too, is for experimentation. And, and you might say, well, I, I will put up a 20 meter uh, inverted V. Um, I'll cut the wire to length. It works great. But tomorrow, I want a 40-20 dual band antenna. Uh, how could I do that? Well, one way to do it is you could put a loading coil in between as a, as a trap, and you could make your own trap and stick it in the antenna. So you, there's ways to to customize it and sort of tune it to whatever you want to do. What we're going to do is, is supply the wire um, for specific bands pre-cut and starting out only on 20 meters as quarter waves, and then we're going to configure it in a link dipole configuration. So Let me explain what a link dipole is. Link dipole is really simple. If you're going to make a dipole, you've got the feed point and then a quarter wave on either side and then an insulator. If you break that wire and you put an insulator in the middle of that wire and then you have some sort of connector, now I could either make that link or I could break that link. And that lets me add more wire so I can get two bands. So for instance, if I take about 17 feet of wire, that's about a quarter wave on 20 meters, and I put an insulator in another segment exactly the same length, and where that center insulator is, I put a connector, I can hoist up that antenna, if I connect the links, operate on 40 meters, or if I just un- disconnect those two links, now I'm operating on 20 meters. And there's no lossy coils, there's no compromise in the antenna size at all.
0: Wow. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I've seen some preliminary drawings, so I understand, and, and the, the principle makes sense to me, but am I hanging this thing from a tree? Am I tossing paracord up over a, 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 a light out in the Walmart parking lot? What am I doing with it? How, do, how am I setting this thing up? I know All a guy the that does that, by the way. I don't know if Piccolo yeah, listens or not. Lot? Yeah, yeah. In a flak vest. God bless
2: him. I've seen him. So, again, it's a system. So, the idea is you really could do it a variety of things. So, in some cases, you want the antenna to be totally self supporting because maybe you're in a parking lot at the Walmart and you've got nothing to mount it and hoist it up into. So, you need to have some way to have it be ground mounted and hold itself up. There's other cases where you're going to have support structures around you, like trees or buildings, and you want to be able to take advantage of those as well. So, the The other core element in the design is a fiberglass telescoping mast, and the fiberglass mast allows you to get the elevation and at the same time they're lightweight and they collapse down to a fairly compact package so imagine uh, the well the pole we're using right now it it's a uh, a 10 meter long pole when it's fully extended so it's about thirty two and a half feet from the very bottom to the very tip. And it's made of fiberglass, so it's not conductive. And when you pull each telescoping section up, there's no latching mechanism. There are some that do have latches, but that's more weight and bulk. This, there's no latches. So you pull the telescoping section up towards the end of the travel, and then you just give it a little quarter turn and snug it into position. Then there are several of these concentric telescoping tubes, and you lift them all out. And you've got a 32-foot pole. So, so if you've got a 32-foot pole, let's say a vertical pole, what kind of antenna could you make with that? Well, you can make an inverted V. You can make a ground plane like Nick described. You could make an n fed long wire sloper. You could make um, an off-center-fed dipole. There, almost any kind of antenna you can think of you could put together with some wire and a support mast like that. The the thing that was really limiting this idea in the past, frankly, was the the hardware wasn't really quite perfect. So you could find, the, like the telescoping mask Nick talked about, that jack kite, it's a really nice fiberglass pole. It does exactly what I described. But it's not quite 30 feet tall. But moreover, when you collapse it down, it collapses down to about four feet. So it's hard to stuff four feet in your backpack.
0: So what is this pole you're describing? How small does it get?
2: The pole we're using collapses down to 26 inches. Wow. And it goes to 32 feet? Exactly. So this is, this is the first thing that was sort of the real, you know, eye opener for me is, wait a minute, this is awesome because 26 inches is small enough that I could put it into or strap to the side of my day pack. And it doesn't, it's not ridiculous. Secondly, it's 32 feet long when it's fully erected. This is amazing. Uh, you could do a lot with it. You could do a full-size quarter wave on 20 meters and up, like Nick described. You could do a full-size 40-meter inverted V. You could do a – with some little bit of distance, you could do uh a, a N-fed long wire, all with that same pole and some wire.
0: So is this something that you guys w- will be packaged with this pactenna, or is this just a, a user-obtained – uh, sundry atom.
2: Well, the original original idea for this was we just wanted to build this stuff for ourselves, and then we had a a club meeting in the Bay Area, and uh, I presented this as a as a project, and a lot of the guys thought it was a neat idea, so a lot of people were asking for parts and kits and assembled units and all that, and then I went to another club meeting, presented the same thing again, and got another bunch of people who were asking for this stuff, and so we decided that we would do two things. One is we're going to do this as a club uh, build project. So we've gone out and bought a bunch of hardware in volume so we can get the price down below the retail price and then make that stuff available. Um, so that's originally for our club uh, as like a club project, but we've gotten so much response, I think we're going to wind up making a bunch of, of extra uh, packages um, and some of the stuff is going to be, uh, a kit form and some of it's going to be pre-assembled.
0: Fantastic. Hey, we're going to come back in just a couple of minutes. I've got Nick Garner and George. I'm not gonna to try to say his last name again, but this Kilo Juliet six Victor United in November three whiskey golf. We're talking pack 10 here on the other ham radio podcast back in just a couple of minutes. Don't go anywhere.
1: Visit mtcradio.com today. A great one-stop mom-and-pop shop for everything ham radio. Radios, antennas, power supplies, wire and cable, books and training materials, microphones, headsets, and accessories. Find popular brands like MFJ, Heil Sound, Jetstream, LDG, Elenco, Comet, Texas Budcatcher, radio waves, and more. MTCRadio.com, an authorized Kenwood and ICOM dealer. MTCRadio.com.
0: Back before we get back to the show, I want to want to just say hey, real quick, to some friends, some new friends on the internet. Got some uh, got some emails earlier from Kilo Delta Five Victor Sierra Hotel. We got one from John Shaheen. Was interested in knowing when we're going to talk about solar again, and we've got to get Jeremy back on that ball. And uh, my dear friend uh, Rick out in El, actually not—he's in Nevada. That won't come out the right way. Sorry, Kilo Golf Seven Lima Kilo India. Thanks for the PayPal gift, my friend. It helps keep us on the air. Also, some new Twitter friends. We've got Kilo Charlie Nine Lima Delta Oscar Kilo Nine Juliet November Romeo Delta Oscar Four Charlie Mary. Kilo Kilo 4 Zulu Hotel Hotel, Kilo Golf 8 Oscar Charlie, and another Kale. We found another Kale. And he's licensed in Tennessee. Kilo Kilo 4 Hotel Sierra X-Ray. Also produces the Amateur Radio Weekly. Make sure you check out the blog. All right, let's get back to George, Kale, and Nick right here on the other ham radio podcast. Photo time. Now we're back. <laughs> okay, we're back with George and Nick here on the Other Hand Radio Podcast. Kale with you. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking Pac-Tenna, and uh, that's pack You can find them online. Probably some details there you may want to check out. Uh, George, Nick, uh, this pactenna tenna sounds like a great idea. We- we've talked about a 26-inch pole that grows to 32 feet, and we've talked about some wire and some ways to use some parts to make some wires and uh, in, increase their gain or change their bandwidth or whatever. What what else is going to be involved if I decide I want to purchase a pack tenna from you guys?
2: Well, well, first of all, the basic design of the pack antenna is is not a big secret. It's a, it'll be a public uh, design. So if you want to build your own from scratch, get your own parts and build it, you could do that. Part of the reason we did this was to really encourage guys to build their own antennas and learn about how antennas work and get some field experience. Putting together kits and assembled units, uh, we're doing. Uh, for the convenience of people that just want it done. The the bits and pieces really boil down to about half a dozen different items. And part of the, I guess, the philosophy behind the part selection was to look at lightweight backpacking hardware as a model. So every little thing in the design, we wanted to pick pieces that were lightweight, aluminum, lightweight plastics, that were rugged but still lightweight and compact. The, the second thing we wanted to look at is if there's any hardware that could serve more than one purpose, we'd like to get one piece of hardware that could do multiple things. And I think it's just a generally good guideline for any kind of field gear. If you have 10 different needs and you have 10 different custom pieces of hardware, that's not as good as if you can get away with using five different pieces of hardware for 10 different things. That way you've got some redundancy and, and such. So we, we tried to follow that rule as well. So if you break down the Pactena into all its pieces besides the mast and the wire elements, you need a way to stand up the pole. And depending on where you are, you could either prop it up against something or uh, you can attach it to uh, a, a table or to a rock or a tree or something. Uh, we use either uh, lightweight bungee cords, Or you can use Velcro strapping, or you could use these kind of rubber, uh, big expanding um, straps to connect it up to something. Uh, One very popular base is a tripod, and you could use any kind of tripod from a photo tripod that could be very lightweight or something more heavy-duty like a speaker stand. And so, by the way, buying tip number one, I looked for heavy-duty tripods as a way to do a uh, freestanding version of this and what i found on ebay was a lot of speaker stands these are like a, a pa system speaker stands mm-hmm. they're heavy duty and they sell for about 30 dollars a piece even less and i think Kale, you mentioned mtc carry some yeah. as well yeah, some i haven't in the past. Se- yeah i haven't seen those uh, but they're probably the same thing that i'm thinking of and you know, for $25, 30 bucks, I mean, you really can't go wrong. And and all you, since the antenna is very low mass, just a couple of bungee cords is sufficient to, to to tie it to the to the tripod. So if you don't have a tripod, or if you're on the trail, you don't want to carry a tripod. The other obvious thing you could do is guy it. And so we've uh, put together some guy sets. Uh, they're ten foot long piece of paracord with guy tensioners and lightweight aluminum stakes not the cheap kind that bend over these are the veined kind the sort of triangular uh, veined kind of lightweight backpacking stakes and then we made a guy ring we actually we made three different sizes of guy rings and since these uh, telescoping fiberglass mass are several concentric uh, dowels or tubes if you will of, of, of fiberglass the guy rings will just slide down until they hit the diameter that's bigger than the hole and just stop so we 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 cut uh one design to mount at about the third section from the bottom which makes for a very nice base guy set and then we made two others with smaller holes that'll go halfway and two-thirds the way up the mast and those guy rings have a big hole in the middle for the mast and then four holes on the edge uh and you want at least three guy lines but there's four holes in case you want a fourth So there's the guy rings, um, the guys, stakes. And then uh, at the feed point of the antenna is the thing that was probably the most complicated to figure out, which is the feed point. And, And what you wanna do is run the coax up to the feed point where the dipole connects to the coax. And you can just have a connector and split out the coax and go to the wire and that'll work okay but that's really matching an unbalanced feed line to a balanced antenna. And you want to put a matching unit at that feed point. So we came up with a custom designed feed point that serves two purposes. One is it's a mechanical connection point that mates the coax with the wire elements. And there's also a matching transformer or choke that would go at that point as well, and uh, we'll we could explain a little bit about what those things do.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Keep going because we're, we're we're getting up the pole to the actual line now. So go ahead and tell us about the uh, are these custom fabbed here?
2: Yeah, so this, this is a custom thing we made. the The basic unit is uh, made out of FR four fiberglass, which is the uh, fiberglass you find in a printed circuit board. So we wanted to keep this feed point very low weight and low mass. And if you look at uh, these sort of matching transformers or one-to-one current balance that you can buy, there's a lot of them on the market. And some are really good and some are not. And in any event, they're all a box. And the box tends to be kind of heavy. And if you have this uh, fiberglass pole, at 20, 25 feet up the pole, that fiberglass pole is pretty thin. And you really can't put a big, heavy object up there. So we wanted to keep the mass of this feed point as small as possible so that we could attach it to the mast and not have it bend the thing over. So the feed point is a piece of uh, circuit board material, and we've shaped it so that there's a co- you mount mounted vertical. So imagine you're staring at it uh, face-on. You mount it to the pole. We use uh, bungee cords, these little tiny bungee cords, because the bungee cords will uh, have a tight compression around the, the fiberglass, but it won't crush it. So you put two bungees on. It holds this board up against the mast. At the top and the sides of that that circuit board are two or three big holes, and you can clip in a little plastic um, S clip. These little S clips, you've probably seen them in the uh, in the uh, uh, camping stores. It's an S with a little piece of metal that snaps the S closed at both ends. Yeah. And you you clip one of those in. Uh, and then the wire element clips on the other side, and, and that takes the strain off of the uh, electrical connection. So on that circuit board, there's a little banana sockets, so and we put banana plugs on the end of the wire. So the wire elements snap onto these loops. That ha- takes the the load on the wire, and then a little loop of that wire comes down and plugs into a banana socket. So that's how you mate to that circuit board. Hey, George. Yeah.
3: So uh, for the listeners out there, if you can uh, multitask this, uh, the website that Cale mentioned, Pactena.com, right on the first page, the first thing you'll see are these uh, one-to-one, nine-to-one, and the choke. Um, So you can take a look at that picture to get an idea of everything that George is describing.
2: Yeah, it's it's a little hard. (laughs) I'm waving my hands in space here trying to describe it.
0: I heard the S clip. I could hear the S clip in the background.
2: (laughs) So the, the the other thing that's on that uh, feed point is is a, uh, is a ballon. a So when we looked at different antenna designs, different antennas need different kinds of baluns or ununs or chokes to make them work efficiently. And each antenna has a little bit different set of needs. So take a typical dipole or an inverted V uh, or uh, even a ground plane. What you really want is you want to have at the end of that coax, you want to have a little transformer. That's probably a one-to-one transformer uh, at the feed point. What that transformer does – actually, a one-to-one doesn't transform anything. It's really a choke. What that little choke does is it makes the the signals on the wire coming up the coax be balanced on both of the antenna elements, and it eliminates what's called common mode current or unwanted – RF currents from reflecting down the outer shield of the coax and coming back to your station. So let, let me give you a little example. You, you, if you if you have a radio uh, and you're running the coax to the antenna and you are talking on the radio and you hear um, something back in your shack, like coming out of your speakers, like an an un um, decode demodulated voice, you know, want, want out of your speakers. Mm-hmm. You've got common mode currents flowing back down the shield into your shack. And you don't want that for a couple of reasons. Number one is you're wasting energy. Energy that's going to the antenna is bouncing back down the coax, not being radiated. So that's inefficient. But secondly, you're causing RF interference in the shack. Hmm. And the way to eliminate that stuff is to put a choke in line to keep those currents from flowing back the coax. So we put one of those uh, at the feed point.
0: I got you. And that's the one that we see with the dual BNCs.
2: Uh actually that's uh that's a inline choke. Okay. So so there's there's three different ones that we made. Uh Nick, do you want to describe them?
0: Pause.
3: Yeah. right, <laughs> I was talking, but I was muted. Um
0: <laughs> Okay. Go ahead, Nick.
3: And my answer was to answer your question, George, no, but uh um, the reason I didn't want to answer that question is because George has become a bit of an expert on uh, toroids. So uh, why don't you go ahead and do it, George?
2: Okay. So, so this is an area that I was pr- pretty ignorant about, to be honest, um, until we dove into this and tried to figure out what to do. So let me describe two things. One is uh, what these devices do, and then secondly, the material that's used in them because it's really um, kind of a big mystery. So there's three kinds of devices that we came up with um, and we didn't we didn't invent this stuff this is this is knowledge that's on the internet um, smart old hams know this stuff most of us don't and or we think we do, but we really don't so the first thing we built was a one to one current mode choke at the feed point, which is what you would use for an inverted v or a dipole or even a ground plane. The other kind of antennas that we wanted to use are non-resonant long wires or half-wave long wires, half-wave NFEDs. These antennas are really popular for portable operation because uh, you don't have to have a a sophisticated mechanical structure to set this stuff up on. You know, guys who are on the trail will take a piece of wire and throw it in a tree, literally, put the end of the wire into their antenna tuner, load it up into the wire, and go, um, which takes zero additional hardware it's not very efficient. And the problem is you tend to get a lot of currents flowing back to the transmitter. You need a way to match that long wire. So one thing you could do is put in what's called an unun, which stands for unbalanced to unbalanced transformer. Unbalanced on one side is your feed line. So the coax is an unbalanced feeder. The long wire antenna is also unbalanced. There, there's, there's not a symmetrical counterpoise ground side of the antenna in the driven side. So what do you do? Well, the impedance of a long wire antenna is high. So the impedance of our transmitters are 50 ohms. The radio wants to see 50 ohms. An antenna tuner built into your typical base station radio can probably handle about, up to about 150 ohms. An outboard tuner, like an LDG or SGC or one of these great tuners, could probably handle four or 500 ohms of impedance. The end-fed wire could be as much as two or three thousand ohms, mm. so that's not good. And by the way, um, the length of the wire and the frequency you operate at will partly determine the impedance point in that antenna. So, if I'm on, if I've got a, a piece of wire that's thirty-five feet long, and I'm on twenty meters or forty meters, the impedance will be different. So. Being a non-resonant antenna, it, this is kind of a pain to deal with. So, so one trick is you use an unknown. And an unun is a voltage, also called a voltage uh, transformer. And you wind coil wires around this donut. So all of these things we're talking about at, at, at the core, literally, is a donut made of a material which has got metal in it. It's, it's usually a ceramic base with, uh, with flex of some kind of metal. And the kind of metal that goes into these things, uh, the mixture or the mix, determines what frequency this stuff is useful for and what purpose it's useful for. So you build a one-to-one current choke out of these uh, toroid cores with wire or coax wrapped around it, or you can build a transformer where you wrap wire around it with some turn ratio to give you that transforming effect. So the second thing we built was what's called a nine-to-one unun. So that takes a... 50-ohm transmitter and lets you look at a 450-ohm impedance antenna. So that transformer helps you better match to that high-impedance long-wire antenna. The reason why I like this long-wire antenna, so talk about a quick setup. You take the 30-foot pole, you take about 30 feet of wire, you stick it at the tip of the pole, you, you hoist it all the way up, and that wire just droops right down to your tuner and you're on the air. It takes you a minute to set up the antenna. And you're on the air now. To help match to your radio or your tuner better, you put one of these unun nine to one matching transformers at that feed point. Okay. The the third thing that we did was uh, the the downside to these ununs and these long wires is that they're notorious for causing these common mode currents to flow back down the jacket for RF to come back down to you in the shack. So you need a way to choke that stuff off. So the inline choke that we built is another little circuit board with a toroid on it and and coax that wraps around the toroid and a pair of BNC connectors, input and output. You stick that thing in the middle of your coax, in the middle of your feed line. And so any of the current that's flowing down the jacket back to the shack will get greatly attenuated by that inline choke. So that keeps the RF out of your radio from coming back. So the goal, of course, when you're operating portable, you think about taking your QRP rig. I've got a five-watt radio. If you use a loaded antenna, let's say I've got an eight-foot telescoping antenna with a loading coil on 40 meters. It's a very compromised antenna to start with. So what we want to do is say, well, forget that. Use a full-size piece of wire. Well, if you use a full-size piece of wire, um, you want to make sure all those precious 5 watts are going out the antenna and not bouncing back to you. <laughs> exactly. All right. so that's one reason to have the the, the uh, current uh, chokes at the antenna or in the case of a long wire, why you want that transformer plus the choke to keep the RF out of the shack. I know it sounds complicated. It's really not as complicated as, as I probably made it sound.
0: No, no. But, no. Uh, well, it is a complicated thing because it's just – is physics and and physics is complicated but at the same time you you're creating a way to limit yourself that problem but increasing what's going out the other end as you had hoped it would to start with
2: exactly exactly right
0: so you've got uh all right so we know that we're going to have some wires and we know that this collapsing pole which I'm still kind of flabbergasted about is there uh, you can use a a uh, a tripod like we've spoke about in the past and 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 there's how many of these different? There's three or four different things you've built with the uh, the boards. There you've got the choke, yeah. There's there's, there's two there's chokes two, and two balans or something. Two
2: there's there's uh, three things. There's a two that are feed points, which means that they go up on the mast where you connect your wires, uh, or on the ground where you connect your wires. One's a one to one, which is for dipoles and V's and ground planes. That's the most commonly used one. Okay. If you're doing a long wire antenna, you could use the 9-to-1 un-un. And if you're using the un-un or you're running a lot of power, you might want to put in the inline choke. If you're running 5 watts, you probably don't need the choke. If you're running 100 watts and your antenna is 20 feet away, you, you might well want to put in the choke regardless. Uh, by the way, a uh, little side note, uh, a friend of mine lives in an apartment building and he has a kx3 and he put a wire antenna on a pole off his balcony and he was getting a lot of rf coming back in the house into the apartment and so he took one of these chokes stuck it in the coax and eliminated that problem and the reason is because the rf was going to the antenna and some of it was bouncing back into the shack now you can imagine you're in an apartment if you're getting RF interference into your shack, well, you're probably getting interference so into your, your neighbors. next door, <laughs> you know, TV sets, telephones, and you know everything else. So, it's a really handy thing to have.
0: Well, let me ask you this: so, uh, you know, we, we've talked QRP. When you look at uh, the, the 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 target audience for this particular product, we're, we're talking the soda guys, the iota guys, the backpackers. Uh, but but you just spoke of a hundred watts. Is is are these systems rated for that? What are they rated to?
2: Yeah, the 100 watts, uh, and the reason is that we we wanted to build it so that you could take it uh, camping or you could take it um, to field day. So, like when we do field day, we we always operate battery, and we have 100 watt radios, but we usually run them at 50 watts. So, uh, we we thought, well, let's pick the materials uh, that'll work easily at 100 watts. If you go much if you go much beyond that, let's say you want to run a kilowatt. You really need um, – you can use the exact same design, but you need to use bigger wire or bigger coax um, to handle the higher voltages. I got
0: you.
2: But it's certainly the, – the principles are all identical. In, in fact, the thing that was sort of funny about this whole design is you could probably go back to the 1934 ARRL handbook and the basic antennas that we're talking about have been around since then. I mean, there's, there's nothing magical. We didn't reinvent the dipole. We just invented a, a a kind of a more clever way to, to pack one and and set up one portable.
0: So we've got all this stuff minus, minus the, uh, or maybe you can count it if you want to, the extending pole there. What kind of weight are we talking about total for this package?
2: Uh, You know, I haven't actually weighed everything. Um, The pole probably weighs uh, a, Maybe a couple pounds. I I have, actually have a scale here. I could can weigh it before we're done. I can tell you what it, what the size of everything is. So the pole is 26 inches long and about an inch and three quarters in diameter. Okay. The um, the all the accessories. The the let's say a complete kit would be four 20 meter quarter wave wire elements wound up on wire winders. Uh, let's say the 1-to-1 the and the 9-to-1 and the inline choke and the clips and the bungees and 8-guy wire sets and 25 feet of coax and everything, everything, everything all fits into a little uh, nylon bag that's about, oh, about, let's see, 10 by 7 by 2 inches or 3 inches.
0: Okay, okay. And we've talked about the, uh, a very similar bag to that before, back when we had Ed Cope on, and he was uh, in Afghanistan, and he had a small bag that he kept his KX-3 in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, if not the exact same bag, it's a knockoff one way or the other, but it's about the same thing. And um, I think at one time we called it the Condor Deployment Bag, and I think 511, they all make them. Mm-hmm. Actually, I found some the other day really inexpensively for my kids. But So it's, it's just a handful of things that we can put together, and, and the... The key to this, guys, the key to the Pactena for me is the fact that, just like George said, the feed point is what makes the magic. It's what gives you the flexibility. and and In my opinion, it's the magic behind the whole deal. Is that a good assumption?
2: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think the thing that that I think we like a lot about this idea is the mechanical – let's say where you connect the wires to that feed point, we use these little banana uh, connectors, And these are 2-millimeter gold-plated banana connectors. So they're small, but there's a high surface area, so they're really good for RF. We put those bananas, um, a female one on the feed point and a male one on the wire. At the other end of the wire, we put a female one. So imagine the wire element's got a male at one and a female at the other end. And so you could daisy-chain these things. You can put as many in series as you want, and you just connect them or disconnect them to give you different bands. You could even make a loop. Oh uh, totally uh, well it, in fact, one of the things about this system quote unquote is you could go from i have my you know one man simple antenna to say, well, let's do some phased verticals or let's do a delta loop or let's do you know some some sort of horizontal loop with a more exotic antenna with two, three, four of these sets, and you can make all kinds of antennas out of this stuff, and it's all pretty portable
0: now are you, are you going to sell just the the balance? Or are you are you selling the whole kit?
2: Well, this didn't really. Good question. It didn't start out to be like a business to sell stuff. So we're we're still kind of we're, we're kind of working it out. Um, I think what we're going to wind up doing is probably do complete sets with the wires already cut and and trimmed and connectors mounted for twenty meters. Uh, which, by the way, a, a wire, a set of wi- four of those quarter waves on twenty gives you twenty meters, forty meters, and probably even fifteen meters. Because if you set up the antenna on forty meters, it'll work as the uh, the third harmonic for fifteen. Hmm. So that's kind of, you know, again, if you can have one thing that serves multiple purposes, that's good. Yeah. So anyway, um, we'll probably do a complete set with the wire elements assembled and with the one-to-one uh, feed points assembled. Uh, we do have all the parts to do the nine-to-one and the inline chokes. Uh, we're not uh, planning to assemble them right now. We might just make those as kits, and uh, we'll have a wire kit. So if you want to do your own custom wire elements, um, we'll have a you know bag full of wire and the S-clips and the ferrules and the banana connectors and all that stuff. And you can, that way you can make it for any combination of bands because one thing we ran into is one guy said, well, 20 meters is fine, but I want 15. And someone else says, well, that's fine, but I want 30. and it's impossible to make everything. right? So we figured, well, we'll do this 2040-15 set. And if you want something beyond that, then you could just make it yourself with the same hardware.
0: Now, I've, I've got a question because Nick mentioned something earlier uh, off, off the program here. And I want to bring him back in. So go ahead and unmute yourself here, Nick. And <laughs> you mentioned something about an analyzer. Now, fill me in about that part of the puzzle I'm not aware of.
3: Okay, so um, when George and I were initially discussing doing this project, I said, "Yeah, sure. Um, uh, sounds like a good idea. I'm kind of busy with technology and uh, got a full time job. It'd be cool if we could do something that is has no electronics. You know, let's not do any board design. Let's not do any firmware coding. No apps, nothing like that." And uh, and we both said, "All right, cool. Let's do it. Let's make an antenna system. That'll be fun, and uh, and not too much effort." And then Uh, This guy, a friend of ours, K6 Bravo Echo Zulu, K6BEZ, Barrick, he did a presentation at Pacificon, uh, I guess it would be a year and a half ago, September 2013, where he gave a talk about uh, creating a cheap antenna analyzer for under $50 using these uh, analog devices, direct digital synthesizer modules you can get off eBay for about $7. And um, uh, coincidentally, unrelated to his discussion, I had drawn out an idea on a piece of paper uh, a couple months before his talk, where I wanted to make a Wi-Fi connected antenna analyzer that would talk to smartphones and tablets and things like that. So I uh, I grabbed Barrick's ear after his talk and I said, uh, "What do you think about getting together and you know we'll." put some connectivity into this thing and uh, and smart enable it. And uh, he said, yeah, cool, let's do it. And then we sort of went our own ways and it didn't get brought up again until this antenna system idea popped up. Uh, so we brought Barrick back in. He's a, an RF engineer professionally, so uh, he knows what he's doing when it comes to designing antenna analyzers. So um, he did uh, the basic layout for an antenna analyzer for us, uh, you know, with the, with the DDS module and the Wheatstone bridge and the, uh, the various components to measure the, the voltages as they go through the bridge. And um, what we did was we replaced the microcontroller that he was using with a Bluetooth low-energy module. And uh, the intention is to then create an app on either iOS or Android that will allow you to scan a range of frequencies so you could go into the app and say, start at 14 megahertz, end at 14.35, and step through every five kilohertz and tell me what the SWR is at that frequency. Mm. Um, so we're, we've reached a point now where we're building the first, first prototype. I got the boards and the parts back, and I'm doing the soldering for it now. Uh, and then we'll, we'll look at doing firmware for it. Uh, so the plan is to have, uh, I believe we're calling it a pack tenalizer or a, a tenalizer, not sure what we're going to call it, but it's going to have Lyser antenna in it. And, and uh, it would be controlled by your smartphone or tablet. Anything that would support Bluetooth low energy is the goal. Um, and it would plot out the SWR across whatever frequencies you choose.
0: Now, before we go too far with that idea, Nick, is this going to be available for the, our friends with iDevices I or just Androids? Oh, both. Okay, okay. That sounds pretty sweet, man. But you said you didn't want to do any boards or any soldering. What happened?
3: I can't get away <laughs> from it. It's too much fun.
2: <laughs> so, you know, so one of the ideas there was was what's the minimum set of stuff you'd be willing to take on the trail? And, and I keep coming back to the backpacking on the trail as the goal because even if I go on a car trip, that small, lightweight stuff applies, you know. Because if you take a lot of big, heavy stuff on the trip, your wife looks at you like, oh, no, not that again. Um, so low profile is good for many reasons. But anyway, you, you know, you're you going to probably take your smartphone with you, and you're going to use it to log your contacts. Maybe you're going to use it for a little PSK terminal or something. Well, why not use that for the user interface for the antenna tuner or the antenna analyzer? Um, same thing with, you know, with the basic antenna, which is how can we make this thing as small and lightweight as possible and be willing to toss it in your backpack?
0: I think you guys have stumbled onto more than you actually realize personally. Uh that's my that's just Kale's opinions. As I'm sitting here thinking about the people we've had on with the D expeditions, with the IOTAs, with the summits on the air, even with the uh the manpack, the backpack portable type radio crowd, you know, this to me makes a lot of sense. And of course, I'm not a soda, I'm not an iota, I'm not a backpacking guy. But sitting here on the farm, I'm thinking this is a brilliant idea to be able to compact it the way that you have and to have the components together the way that you've done to offer that to someone to pack into their stuff and to take out into the field and, and not have to lug something heavy around. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see the pole. I, I mean, I, I just I, I can't wait to
2: see that in action personally. Hey, we got our first batches of, of poles and volume here, so, uh, so we'll be able to get you one to play with soon. You could do some serious fishing with that. Well, you know what's funny is the first time I ever saw anything like this was probably 20 years ago. And a lot of guys were building uh, portable antennas with crappie poles, yeah. in which, of course, at the store, I thought it was a crappie pole. I didn't know what. Well, that's how we I, say I it in South Carolina. It.
0: We say it that way in South Carolina.
2: What, what's it, what is it? it
0: uh, crappie is a fish. It's, a, it's, a, it's larger than a brim, and uh, it's kind of like a slab fish. It's... Pretty good eating actually. And I'm not even a big fish guy, so <laughs> so, it's
2: so a those freshwater th- fish, yeah. Okay, so those so those poles are pretty big, but they're like sixteen feet. Yep. yep. So o- I was always like disappointed, oh man, sixteen feet. Maybe that's okay for twenty, but no way on forty. Yeah, you're and, just and halfway
1: there.
2: You're just exactly you're just not th- not gonna make it. So once we saw this one at at thirty two feet, it's like, oh man, this is this is an enabler. This is this the game is different now. <laughs> So
0: we're we're talking PacTenna, It's PacTenna.com, dot com, and you guys are really hoping to have this thing rolling by the time the uh, the the Dayton ham Fest, Hamvention happens, right?
2: Yeah. So the current thinking is uh, we have a bunch of guys in the local clubs who who want to uh, get them, and so we're gonna we've been making a list, and uh, we're not taking any orders or anything yet, but we're, we'll get close to that. So people are putting their name on a on a waiting list. There's no obligation to buy anything, but as soon as um as as soon as we're getting close uh then we're going to email everybody and tell them here's what's available here's what it's going to cost here's what's a kit here's what's assembled and uh then we'll we'll fill the orders and anything that we've got that isn't gone from uh from stock by Dayton is going to go to Dayton and and we'll have them there
0: fantastic i've i've been uh, on on a couple of different internet forums sharing the prospects of this product coming and my uh, anticipation of it. So now I feel released and relieved at the same time that I can say, Hey, go to dot And there's what I've been talking about for the last few months as George and I've had discussions here, Nick, I think you and George have come up with something that's uh, really going to be a hit. And I'm excited again to see, uh, what, what innovation comes from the West coast, man, you guys just keep putting it together and we're going to enjoy it on the other side.
2: Awesome. Oh, Hey, one last thought, Cale. Sure. Um, one of the things that we wanted to do is to help people understand how basic antennas work, and so we're we're putting together a little PDF document that describes specifically the pack antenna hardware and how you put it together and all that. But there's some some useful information in there just about antennas in general. So we we're not trying to reproduce what you can find in the ARL antenna book or you know nothing like that, but more just practical tips. Um, and that'll just be a download off the web. You can grab it. Uh, it's not published there yet, but it'll be up there in the next week or two. Um, so if you know if people just want to build their own antenna, then you know by all means download the booklet and have at it. Um, and if you want any of the stuff that we put together, we'll figure that out too. Fantastic. Did you
3: put a did you put a chapter on toroids in there, George? Uh,
2: there's a chapter on explaining what each of the the toroid, uh, each, what each one of the things do, and then some some of the info about the mix types, which we didn't yeah. really get into here. Um, yeah, that what we're referring to, Kale, is is uh, when you go to build these these little transformers and and chokes, the material that the wire and the coax is wound around this ferrite material. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, mixes of material, and yeah, it's incredibly complicatedly confusing. To know what material to use, because there's a tremendous amount of bad advice on the internet mm. <laughs> when it comes to this. Really? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Surprisingly, um, in, in fact, this this one thing was so funny. I, I made a I, there's a slide on it in this. I have a little presentation that'll be on the website about this. The pitch that I gave at the club, and one of the postings on Eham said, "What material should I use for this balloon?" And there was like twenty answers, and just about every other answer contradicted the previous answer, so a guy a guy would say, uh, "I would use this." The next guy would say, "I would never use that. I would use this." And the next guy would say, "Well, that's wrong. You want the first thing." And you know, a guy who doesn't know any better, and at the time I really didn't know any better, I'm looking at this like, Well, wow, this is really complicated." Because nobody seems to agree on the obvious, so it took a lot more digging to kind of figure out what to use. So anyway, wow. that's part of this, uh, you know, learning about this stuff that we hope to help people with.
0: Well, you guys have you guys have just generally laid out the red carpet for innovation uh, and the pignology products are amazing. Every time I think about what Nick I go back and listen to that episode and I'm still scratching my head, Nick, but we appreciate you <laughs> sharing with us. I know that Jeremy understood every bit of it and and uh it it's it's a lot of cool stuff to continue to learn. I mean, you got to you've got to continue to grow this thing and people keep asking, what do we do to get young people involved? These are the types of things because you're showing someone, hey, we're, we're taking the original idea and we're modernizing it and we're bringing it to the masses. And, and I'm really excited about Pactenna. So, guys, make sure you check out Pactenna.com. George, Nick, thank you so much for both coming on here with us on the time podcast. And thank you. Thanks, Gail. Yeah, so now you know why I've been so excited. I mean, does it not sound like an awesome deal to you? I mean, to me, it's a great idea. It's marvelous. I mean, a 26 inch mass that extends to 32 feet. I cannot wait to get my hands on that just to see how it works. Now, I will be getting my hands on that very soon, and as soon as I have something to share with you, I'll share it with you. But you can begin to learn more about the product and its release date and whatnot as it draws closer at packtenna.com. It's spelled just like it sounds. And you can also check our website, It's fotime.com I-T-S-F-O-T-I-M-E.com. Hey, remember, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on whatever else. Uh, Tune in, Sk- iTunes, Stitcher, all of those things. Share with your friends if you like the program. You might know somebody who wants to know more about amateur radio, so make sure you share this with them. If you don't mind, we'd appreciate it. Hey, don't forget, too, to sign up for the email sign-up thing. We're going to do the big giveaway coming up on the 25th episode. That's like two away from now. So we've got just a couple of weeks to get that done. Our friends at mtcradio.com, always, always amazing sponsors and can't wait for you to shop with them because they've got the gear you need, the prices you want to pay. Check them out at mtcradio.com. I got to go. I'll be back next time, though, guys. Thank you again for listening. God bless you. 73. Enjoy the pretty weather. This is K4 CDN Clear.
1: Thanks for downloading, listening, and subscribing to AmateurRadio15.com presents FOTIME, the other ham radio podcast. You can find our past episodes, web links, and more at AmateurRadio15.com. That's AmateurRadio15.com. Follow us on Twitter at FOTIME Podcast. And remember to visit our show sponsor, Main Trading Company, at MTCradio.com. Till next time, 73s.